Alright, so we are looking at Jesus uh, on the cross, and uh, several things that he said, and the interaction most recently with those two criminals that were crucified with him, and now uh, there are kind of the final events of the crucifixion. So would somebody read 44 to 49? It was now about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured. And the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened, he began praising God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds who came together for this spectacle, when they observed what had happened, began to return, beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who accompanied him from Galilee we're standing at a distance, seeing these things. So you see some events. From noon to mid-afternoon, darkness. That's not when you expect darkness. So what was the deal? It was a dark time. It was a dark moment. Uh, remember what <clears throat> Jesus said, what John said in John thirteen thirty. When Judas went out, he said, and it was night, even though we already knew that it was after supper, you know, <laughs> but it's, there's a symbolism there. Um, so you think about the sin Jesus was dying for. You think about, in a sense, he's kind of in the grip of Satan's forces, you know, death for sin. So it, I think the darkness fits. And then what, uh, what happened with the veil of the temple? There's two and two. Now there's two veils of the temple, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Correct. But I call it the veil of the temple. But there were two. Where were the two? <coughs> the, the one between the holy, holy of holy. holy place and the holy of holies, and the other one was like the front door. The front door, yeah. The front door was a veil. This is not the front door veil. There are some people who think it is, but I agree. I think this was the veil in between the holy place and the holy of holies. And why was it torn into? To show there's no longer a dividing line between man and God. Exactly. Why was there no longer a dividing line between man and God? Because Jesus had bridged the gap. Right. Jesus' blood forgives sins that gives us access to to God. I think that's the point of that. So the veil almost represents sin. The barrier between man and God that was torn into, and now there can be access to God. So I think that is the the point of that. Um, And then Jesus cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit, which is kind of an interesting thing. It's amazing that he had much voice left to be able to cry out in a loud voice. That must have taken a lot from him. And he's sort of committing himself to God. But it's like, you know, it almost seems like he just willed himself to die right there. Doesn't that seem like that to you? I mean, you know, usually you don't just like say, okay, now, now I'm gone, God, you can take me. You know, I mean, we just don't have that much control of that. But remember, nobody took Jesus' life from him. He laid it down on his own initiative. So it may be that he kind of voluntarily gave his spirit back to God. I don't know. That's the way it reads to me. Um, and then you see other people observing his death. Really three categories of people. What does the centurion say? Yeah, this man, this man was innocent. You know, he praises God. You know, a lot of amazing things have happened. 
And it's convinced the centurion this was an innocent man. And then there were the crowds, and what are they doing? <clears throat> they came for a show, for the spectacle, and then they went away and they were beating their breast as in mourning. Yes, isn't that interesting? They were grieved. What if some of them, when all this happened, ended up repenting, or at least recognizing the injustice that was done? You wouldn't have expected that from them, particularly. And then there were the women. The ones who'd accompanied him from Galilee. There's continuity here. They've been with him all along, and they're standing at a distance watching. You know, there's always those women. You know, when the men have fled, the women are still watching. Logan. Did you see the darkness as like the light, as in Jesus just leaving the world? Yeah, maybe so. I mean, of course, he hadn't left the world yet, but, but, you know, I think this was a very dark moment when Jesus is dying for man's sins. So, yeah, I mean, I think it is the symbolism of the darkness of what's going on. But it was a literal darkness. I believe so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's got dark. We really, I mean, shouldn't those things have told people a thing or two? You know? I mean, even when you have a eclipse, like, you know, some people had in, what, Tennessee or wherever, it's not dark for very long. And probably not that dark. I don't know. So. I seem to recall one time figuring out that a solar eclipse can last at most, like, seven to ten minutes, and totality not even that long. And so, for this to last three hours, it wasn't just... A, a unique eclipse, you know, something special. And besides that, I believe the phase of the moon is wrong. Yeah, it's absolutely opposite what it needs right. to be. at the Passover, mm-hmm. yeah. The Passover is the full moon, I believe I'm right on that, and the eclipse needs to be a new moon. Is that right? I think that's right. So it wouldn't even work for an eclipse, yes. which wouldn't... As you say, do the trick. It anyway. wouldn't last long enough. And right. It does make you wonder what it was. There are no three hour eclipses. I don't think it was anything natural. Like, that doesn't But happen. wouldn't it be cool if it was? Like, I don't know. I want to know how it got dark. Well, you know, there's a lot of things like that. That, uh, you know, I was just uh, studying about Hezekiah and the sun going back up the sundial. You know, ten steps. How did it do that? Because it had to still do it. Yeah? Yes. So we don't know. I mean, I don't know. Did God grab the earth and pull it to a stop and send it the other way for a little bit? Uh, I guess that's possible. Or there may be some other ways of doing that. I don't know. I mean, was he able to reverse the motion of part of this? Or was he able to somehow do an illusion with the sundial? I don't know. You know, I don't know how that works. But God, you know... Think about all the engineering that went into the creation. I suspect God had a very yeah. easy way of working that out. But it'd probably be math way over my head. So. He probably didn't even stand up. Probably not. Yeah, probably didn't even break a sweat. I did not necessarily assume that all of the people in the crowd were like agreeing with Jesus' death or you know, in favor of killing him or anything like that. But everybody that I hear talk about it seems to imply that. Well, I mean, you know, no, it wouldn't necessarily be all the crowds. Obviously, you've got some. What about Joseph of Arimathea here, and so forth and so on. So I don't think you would say it's 100%. But the the, the the Jewish leaders seem to have worked the crowd to where the crowd is a whole. 
was clamoring for its crucifixion. Okay. Um, I guess I'm thinking, like, there was the group of women as they were leading him off to be crucified. And I didn't assume that those were necessarily the women with Jesus. I thought it was the women from Jerusalem. Yes, I think that's the case. So I assume that there were some other, even some men as well, (laughs) who would be not in favor of this. I I think that's true. Okay. I mean, the women in that crowd who were mourning and lamenting him, they would presumably mourn and lament for anyone being taken away. It is possible any, you any Jewish, have some any Jewish man being, you know, sure. taken away to be crucified. That is possible. I agree. Other comments and questions? 50 to 56. Now behold, there was a man named Joseph, a council member, a good and just man. He had not consented to their decision indeed. He was from Arimathea, a city of the Jews, who himself was also waiting for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen, and laid it on a tomb that was hewn out of the rock where no one had ever lain before. That was the preparation, and the Sabbath drew near. And the women who had come with him from Galilee followed after, and they observed the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and fragrant oils, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. So here's Joseph, and you learn some things about Joseph here. Uh, like what? from Arimathea. He was from Arimathea. He was on the council. He was on the council. The council? Sanhedrin. Sanhedrin. And uh, he actually hadn't gone along with the plan. Now, I don't know if he was just quiet, or if he was a dissenting vote that they shouted down, or what. But he was a member of the Sanhedrin who had not agreed with the crucifixion. We didn't know that until now. (laughs) We would have thought at least the Sanhedrin was unanimous in wanting Jesus crucified. How many? The Sanhedrin. Seventy. You could have guessed it. So, you know, I, I mean, if it was Nicodemus on the Sanhedrin? I take it he didn't go along with it. You know, there may have been some dissenting voices. Um, you know, so that's interesting to know. Uh, it says here that he was a uh, good and righteous man, uh, which is another passage to remember when somebody would take from what Jesus said about calling me good, that we can never use the word good for somebody. <laughs> Luke does. He does it again with Barnabas in Acts chapter 11. So, I mean, you know, Jesus is the only one absolutely good. But this guy was a good guy. And he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Which, you know, there were some people that were, um, you know, expectant about what God was doing. In 225, Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. In 238, Anna and others were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Here he's waiting for the kingdom of God. So there are people who had some expectation of, you know, the Messiah coming. And uh, so he uh, goes to Pilate, asks for the body. You know, I, I would say that's some courage to do that, but kind of almost ill-timed. You wish you had a little more courage a little earlier on, maybe. Um and he takes it down, wraps it in a linen cloth, and lays it in this new tomb. Remember uh, 1930 where Jesus rode into uh, Jerusalem on a new colt that nobody ridden on? Now he's in a new tomb that nobody's ever occupied. Seems like it's appropriate for Jesus. And uh, 
So so he wraps him in this <clears throat> linen cloth and and lays him in the tomb. Um, you know, it reminds me of the fact that Luke kind of ends as he began. Wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. So, yes, and we've got a uh, character uh, similarity. Joseph, good and righteous. Joseph, man. Joseph. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but so you got Joseph both times, you got the wrapping in the cloths and laying him somewhere. We're going to see some things at the end of Luke that also are parallel to the very beginning of Luke. So uh, that's kind of cool always when you can see some of those things. And uh, so, uh, and then uh, it's the preparation day, the Sabbath is about to begin. I take it as the Sabbath that was the Passover. Um, so they can't do anything and uh, they are going to prepare the spices and perfumes, rest on the Sabbath and be able to come early Sunday morning to give Jesus... Uh, a better burial. This was hurried. I mean, they don't have long. I mean, it, it was dark till mid-afternoon. And the Sabbath starts at sundown. I mean, they got to go and ask Pilate. Pilate had to make sure the body was dead and all that. I mean, they had to get him down and wrap him and get him in that tomb and get back home. I mean, I bet that was a hasty wrapping job. <laughs> you know, without all the po- proper spices and perfumes, it would have been ideal, but they just didn't have the time. So the women are going to take care of that early Sunday morning. All right, thoughts and comments uh, here on chapter 23. So it says it was the preparation day. You think that means preparation for the Passover, or can that mean something else? I think it can mean the preparation for the Sabbath. Okay. But I think in this case, the Sabbath and the Passover coincided. Was there another verse in John or something that mentions the preparation day that Yeah. you had mentioned last time that made you believe that it was the day before the Passover? Well, I just think that it is the day before the Passover because you can look at like John eighteen twenty eight. Um, they led Jesus oh, from Caiaphas right. into the Praetorium, but they wouldn't enter the Praetorium because they didn't want to be so defiled that they might eat the Passover. Okay. And you know the thing that has impressed me—I I may be wrong about this. As I say, I've been all over the board, and man, this is one of the most debated issues in biblical chronology. But. I don't see how this could have been the Passover day because the Passover was a Sabbath and they couldn't have done any of these things on the Passover that they couldn't have done on the Sabbath because the Passover was a Sabbath too. Like we know that from the laws. Right. The Passover yeah. was a Sabbath. Yeah, it was okay. a day of rest. Yeah, you had seven Sabbaths for the feast days. The first and last day of Passover, first and last day of Tabernacles, um, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Trumpets, and the Pentecost. Those were the seven uh, Sabbaths in the annual cycle. So, yeah, I mean, so I don't see... that. That's the thing that hangs me up as much as anything. If this was the Passover, then it was a Sabbath. Plus passages like that. How do you reconcile that then with Luke 22, 7, that then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed? Mm -hmm. So that would have been the day before... I don't know how that actually works at the Passover. So, like, is that the day before? I mean, that is the challenge because it looks like in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they were eating the Passover. 
clearly it would have started sundown. Do what? Jesus was clearly like eating the Passover before he died. Right. Right. Yeah, They're like, it, did everyone sacrifice their lamb on the same day that they normally, ate it? Normally. Or the day well, the day before, because remember the day starts at, at sundown. Okay, so, so when it says in that verse that it now came the day right. to sacrifice that the would make lamb. you think that the Passover started at sundown when they were eating that meal. But I'm assuming but you're taking that to mean that the day to sacrifice the lamb came at sundown that day. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. It I'm just taking it that they did it a day early. Well, you have to have some explanation for that person. Well, I mean, it's coming to that day, but but I think they're doing it, you know, a day earlier. It came okay. Yeah, it's they a had problem. to be sacrificed because they you, had to take it early. You see why? You see why? This is a debated issue, and I've been on all sides of the coin on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is extremely confusing. It is confusing. Typically, people who study Matthew, Mark, and Luke think that Jesus was crucified on the day of the Passover. The people who study John think Jesus was crucified the day before the Passover. How about people who study the whole Bible? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like me. They go back and forth. <laughs> Depends on which book I study a lot. So it's not just an issue between the Gospels, though, because even in Luke here, it's, I mean, it looks like... It looks like uh, it's the Passover. Um, yeah. Yeah, but earlier... Like, it's more. not just a matter of people thinking the Gospels contradict each other, but, like, even within itself, yeah, right. it's different. You're trying to reconcile all this. <clears throat> which, and, you know, for so for some people, they think the Jews actually celebrated two different days. Different groups of Jews celebrated two different days of the Passover, which seems a little extreme, but that's, that's what has driven some people to believe. Love it. Well, like, with the Passover, you had to be so clean, and, like, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were, like, the righteous Jews and you think they wouldn't do it on the day of the Passover because they're so right and so you think it'd be the day before or yeah, I, I agree I don't think they would have I don't think they would have done all this stuff on the day of the Passover I, I agree with that so you think it's the day that they had to sacrifice I do I think they sacrificed only you said people who I think they the sacrificed an extra lamb that day <laughs> Jesus was there some difficulty about all the thinking about Jesus' trial overnight and where to put him when I'm vaguely remembering there was... Well, I mean, it's a tight time schedule. Okay. You know, he seems to go to Anne, uh, uh, what? Annas, Caiaphas, and then the Sanhedrin at night. But the Sanhedrin's actually, at the, the, the day is dawn by the time he's before the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. I believe that's here in Luke that it says it that way. Okay. The third... Third Jewish trial, yeah, in verse was uh, the only legitimate one in the sense that it was during the daylight hours. Twenty two sixty six, when it was day, the council of the elders of the people assembled. So it had already they had already broken, and then they taken to Pilate, Herod, Pilate, <laughs> you know, and wow. all that, and get him on the cross by noon, by noon or before mid morning maybe. Nine. Yeah, we don't know exactly. I mean, you know, the third, sixth, ninth hour, almost always the hours in the Bible because they didn't have clocks. So it's, you know, it's daybreak, it's <laughs> mid-morning, it's noon, it's mid-afternoon. You look at it. There's very few times that it's anything other than the third, sixth, or ninth hour. Yeah, that's much more common. 
That, and you got like Jesus' parable where they got in the eleventh hour. You know, you got a couple things like that. But and, and but there's only three or four references to any other hour besides those three. So somewhere in the morning, but it's a tight timetable. It is. Well, that, when Jesus wasn't talking, this and they, scour- they scourge him during that time, and they 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 belittle him, both Herod soldiers and Pilate soldiers. I mean, there's a lot that goes on in a very few hours. So, I mean, here's the thing I think we need to re- realize about this. We are getting a lot of details. I mean, typically, you know, even a day in the life of Jesus is told in a few verses. But here you've got hours that are taking paragraphs, practically. Someone has said that if the whole life of Jesus had been recorded in similar detail to what the Gospels record the last day of Jesus' life, that the record would occupy 180 volumes as large as the Bible as a whole. Because about about the sixth of the Gospels are devoted to that final 24 hours. Alright, anything else you want to say that I can't answer? (laughs) I, I remember reading a book in which much was made of the fact that this was a new tomb that no one had ever been laid in it before. So it's not like... Because the tombs, you put more than one body in Right, sir. And, you know, you would ta- sometimes you would take out the bones and do something else with them eventually, but this was a new one. So it's not like you could say, oh, well, we put him in and we took him out and it's not the same guy. No, there was no confusion. He was the sole occupant therein. Yep, I agree. Did the Jews have to take him down from the cross anyway? Well, it would have been a sacrilege to leave him on the cross for the Sabbath because they were told that it curses anybody who hangs on the tree. So that would have been a... But aside from Joseph coming and getting him, it looks like they were going to leave him. Well, they broke the legs of the other criminals so that they could be... they okay. die, and so I suppose they were taken off. Okay. I don't know what they did with their bodies. Nothing for the birds and the vultures, probably. I don't know. I have about 24, 1 to 12.